Hello, I'm attorney Paul Whalen with Afford Law. At Afford Law, we practice criminal and family law throughout Massachusetts. Our rates are all based on your income, so the less you make, the less you pay. Today, we're going to be discussing criminal trials in Massachusetts. What to expect at your criminal trial. So let's take a scenario. You've been charged with a crime. You went to your arraignment. You've gone to many pretrial conferences, perhaps had some motion hearings. Everything has gone forward through the criminal process, but you were not able to come to a resolution. That is, you could not plea out your case uh, to anything that was acceptable to you. Now you're facing a criminal trial. So let's uh, think about what's in store for you as you move forward. So a criminal trial can either be a jury trial or a trial by a judge sitting without a jury. Um, if it's a judge sitting without a jury, the judge is the fact finder. So he or she makes the decision guilty or not guilty, as well as makes a sentencing decision if you are found guilty. With a jury trial, uh, it's a little bit different. Um, and with a jury trial, there are six people from the community that will be sitting and passing judgment on you, essentially. So there are seven uh, people who were chosen only six of which will ultimately make that final decision. The reason that there are seven is that there's one alternate. So in case during the course of the trial, one of the jurors gets sick or has some sort of family emergency or cannot complete the trial for some reason, they have a person to step into, their, uh, into that position and to complete the trial so you don't have to start over from scratch. So those uh, seven and ultimately six people are chosen from the community at random both the prosecution and your attorney will help choose from a larger pool who will be the six people who will be making that decision. And what happens is on the day of trial, um, each of the jurors gets a one-page questionnaire where they have to fill out their information, their name, uh, where they work, their spouse's name, where they work, if they've had any any uh, connection with uh, law, law enforcement, if they have had any connection with the court system, if they've been arrested, if they've gone through a trial, a number of questions such as that. Um, your attorney is going to be looking for certain things uh, for sure. Things such as if they have any attachment to law enforcement. So are they are they in law enforcement themselves? Are they married to a law enforcement, either police officer, corrections officer, what have you, probation officer? Um, do they have any kind of uh, bias uh, against the person that's being charged with a crime? Because we don't want the juror sitting thinking that just because you've been arrested for that crime, you've committed that crime. So uh, in all likelihood, your attorney is going to try to um, exclude members of the jury that look like they have ties to the law enforcement community because we don't want them to be biased against you. At the same time, the prosecution is looking to get those people onto the jury because they know that that's going to uh, probably help their case. You never know. Uh, uh, you know, juries are funny. You can you can never tell what a person is is thinking. Uh, but generally, we don't want law enforcement people on the jury. The prosecution certainly does. Uh, you also want to make sure that the, the jurors don't know either you or any of the witnesses or the attorneys or anything along those lines. So the jurors have to have basically a clean slate to listen to the evidence and to make that ultimate decision. So keep in mind that uh, whether it's a jury or a um, or a, what's called a bench trial, that's a judge sitting without the jury, the Commonwealth has the burden of proof beyond a reasonable doubt to prove each and every element of the case against you. 
So those are that's really the very essence of our protections under the criminal justice system. So the Commonwealth, that is the prosecution, has to prove their case. It's not a situation where the jury is given two different uh, versions of what happened and they are to choose which one they think is more believable. That's that's not how it is. It's not a it's not a tie. Uh, it's not an even uh, playing field. The prosecution has the burden, so they have to prove their case. That means that if there's any, if there's not any doubt, but if there's a reasonable doubt that you did not commit this crime, the jury is supposed to come back with a not guilty uh, verdict. Um, that's very important. A lot of people don't understand. And uh, during my trials with juries, I emphasize with them that uh, in the opening and closing statements, that their job is to make sure that the Commonwealth meets their burden, not that their story is more believable than our story. That's not the standard. The standard is that the jurors have to be convinced to a moral certainty. That's the, that's the words that are used in the jury instructions. They must have an abiding conviction to a moral certainty that you committed this crime. That's a very high standard. In fact, it's the highest standard that we have in the law. Again, it's a reasonable doubt. It's not beyond all doubt because there's nothing that's really in human uh, contact and human nature, there's nothing that's really beyond all doubt. That's a that's a, an unattainable goal, but reasonable doubt, which is a very high standard for them. So uh, in my opinion, I, we almost always use a jury trial rather than a bench trial because uh, for the simple reason that you have six people deciding your fate rather than the one judge making that decision. The six people, of those six people, you only have to get one person to go not guilty because in, in a jury system, those six people all have to have a unanimous verdict. So they all have to come back with they all are not are they are all guilty or they all vote not guilty. If there's not a unanimous decision, it's a hung jury, it's a mistrial, and everything gets started again. The prosecution may or may not uh, refile the case and start over and try to and try the case again. That would be up to them. Um, but if you if even one person votes not guilty, you're not convicted, and you will at least live to fight another day. Um, with a judge, it only it's only one person, so you don't have that uh, one out of six odds. You only have the one out of one odd. Um, the only reason that I really ever try to a, to a judge is if the case. Uh, involves very specific legal issues, something that the jury would not be um, informed completely about and not have a real understanding of the subtle nuances, perhaps, in the case itself. So sometimes it's better to go before a judge who sees uh, cases all the time and can uh, have a very good and uh, quick idea of which cases are valid and which cases are not. However, uh, it's very rare that I would go with a with a bench trial. I, I almost always go with a jury trial. Uh, the very famous uh, attorney Clarence Darrow once said, uh, uh, real attorneys are trial attorneys, and trial attorneys try their cases to juries. So that's uh, sort of the mantra that I go by. Um, so what happens is at, at trial, it's just like you see in the movies and on TV for the most part. The jury comes in. There are opening statements. That's where... Both sides get a, have a chance to sort of give a roadmap to their theory of the case. Then the, then the witnesses get called. The Commonwealth goes first. They call their witness. They do direct examination with that witness. Then it's our turn. We get to cross-examine that witness if we choose. 
uh, it's not always a good idea to cross-examine the witnesses. Sometimes you just want to let them go and not uh, bring up any more information uh, that they may have that would be damaging to our case. So the prosecution puts on all of their witnesses, all of their evidence, if there are any documentary uh, pieces of evidence or videotapes or anything along those lines. Uh, there's always a battle about what is uh, evidence, what comes in as evidence, and what has to stay out according to the rules of evidence. And then it's our turn. We can put on our defense if we choose to do so. Um, and that uh, defense would be uh, perhaps calling witnesses for uh, for us, um, putting on our own documentary evidence if we have any, and even calling you to testify on your own behalf. You, you cannot be forced to testify because that's your Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination. However, sometimes you may choose to testify uh, under certain circumstances. I, as a rule, as a, as a very strict rule, uh, I don't want my clients testifying if at all possible. If there's any way I can get whatever information you have to give through somebody else or through another piece of evidence, I would much rather do that than have you put on the stand and, and testify. And the reason for that is once I get finished with my direct examination of you, the prosecution gets a chance to cross-examine you. And that can uh, that's sort of where the wheels fall off sometimes because they're trying to get you to look uh, like you're not credible, to look like you're lying, to show you up. Uh, they maybe try to anger you to, so the jury thinks, oh, this guy's got a, uh, a temper. He probably did this other, uh, probably did the crime that he's charged with. So it's it's almost always a good idea not to have the defendant testify, if at all possible. But sometimes that is impossible. And if certainly in, in cases like he said, she said, where there's only uh, one witness for the Commonwealth and one and would be uh, only for us would be you. We may put you on the stand uh, if you're, you know, if you're confident in that, if we're confident that uh, that you wouldn't be roughed up too much on, on cross-examination. Another thing to keep in mind is any witness that gets called, if they have a criminal record, depending on when uh, what the charges were, what the outcomes were of those charges and how long ago it was, they can use your criminal record to impeach you. So under certain circumstances, if you get up to testify, um, the Commonwealth can get up and say, isn't it true that you're, the, you're such and such a person, you were charged with this crime on this date, um, and that get, puts in, in mind, in the jury's mind, that you're not a believable person. And basically, really, they're trying to say that you're not a nice person because you've been convicted of a crime in the past. So there are a lot of pitfalls for having our clients testify, and we just as soon not do that. Um, so we can put on a defense if we want to. Sometimes you don't even want to put on a defense. You don't have any witnesses to call. We don't have any evidence to put in. We just rest because the burden, again, is not on us. It's on the Commonwealth, and if the Commonwealth has a weak case, sometimes it's best just to let that case flop on its own. Uh, so when the, when the evidence is done, both sides get to do a closing argument. Defense goes first, prosecution goes last. Then the, the judge will give jury instructions to the jury, if there is a jury, um, and then there's deliberations and a verdict, guilty or not guilty. So that's basically the uh, story of criminal trials in Massachusetts. Um, it's very the case, it's very rare, actually, that cases go to trial. I would say I think the statistics are something like 98% of all cases that are charged that go to arraignment, uh, only 98%, only 2% of those cases go to trial. Um, and that, that's certainly true in my experience, something, something along those lines. But a trial is a hugely important thing in your life. It's very stressful uh, for everyone involved. 
Um, and it's something that you should be prepared for. And I'm sure your attorney would will uh, do everything he or she can to prepare you in case your case does go to trial. So once again, at Afford Law, we practice criminal like this and uh, family law throughout Massachusetts. Our fees are, ba- are on a sliding scale based on your income. So again, the less you make, the less you have to pay. We're trying to make ourselves as affordable as possible to the hardworking men and women of Massachusetts, because after all, they deserve a break as well. So at Afford Law, we are making justice affordable. Thank you very much.